0: Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And Cousin Taylor, the hunter slash latte boy, this one's for you. From the studios of 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa, Oklahoma, this is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I'm your gracious and humble host, Eric G., apologizing because we are getting this episode to you a little later than usual. Normally, we like to get it out on Wednesday, but with the PGA Championship in town last week and me having to take care of a few personal items, it put me a little behind schedule-wise. Nonetheless, we are here to talk about some of the most fascinating topics going on in college sports today and how they pertain to to both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Real quick introduction, in case this is the first time you are listening to this show. My name is Eric G. As I said before, I work for 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. I am Pat Jones' co-host. If you're an Oklahoma State fan, yes, that Pat Jones, who coached OSU for 10 years. And uh, I always say, tune into our show whenever you're in green country on 97.1 or listen online at sportsanimalradio.com or download our app because Pat is just great to listen to, and honestly, um, the best co-host I've ever ever worked with, and it's just, I have a great time doing that show. But enough about that, we're going to talk about SEC scheduling coming up, and how that pertains to both OU and OSU, we'll talk about the possibility of an SEC-only playoff, and what that means for the Big 12, Joe Castiglione had some stark words to say about the future of college football, and... Um, We'll even talk about the fact that OU is the betting favorite to win the Big 12 and whether or not I agree with that. So let's jump into it. It is an amazing time to be a college football fan because when you wake up every single day, there is a new piece of news. Some of it makes you go, yeah, all right, brother, let's do this. And some of it makes you go, oh, dude, this sucks. What the hell is going to happen next? And... This next, this first topic leaves you with both of those emotions because the SEC is about to do their spring meeting and or spring meetings, and what they are going to discuss are certain scheduling possibilities that will have a major effect on OU and uh, actually could have a major effect on college football when it comes to the Big Twelve because the Big Twelve may want to copy what the SEC is doing. So let's tackle some of the scenarios that the SEC is coming up with. The first and most interesting to me is this one and seven format, which means you would be guaranteed to play one team every single year while every two years you're rotating seven opponents or maybe possibly every year you're rotating seven different opponents which gives television a great opportunity to get more favorable matchups every single every single year, whether that's OU Alabama, whether that's Texas, Georgia, uh, whether it's Florida, Oklahoma, or you know Texas, Florida, or Arkansas and Tennessee. Whoever TV is going to like that and you have to think with ESPN having such a major influence on the SEC, this is probably the model that they, that they will push towards. Or if the SEC is having any discussions with them and Greg Sankey kind of lets this leak out or lets people at ESPN know this is the way we're thinking about doing, ESPN might want to push that. So what does that mean for Oklahoma? Who would be their guaranteed opponent every year? Well, automatically, you're probably jumping up and down and saying Texas. I agree with you. I would say you're probably 95% right, but... Here's where the rub comes. If you're Texas, do you value playing OU in October more than you value playing A&M on Thanksgiving? And what is the SEC value? And what is TV value and ESPN value? Because they're certainly going to have a say in who those permanent opponents are. If I had to guess, it would be OU Texas, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was Texas and Texas A&M, so where does that leave OU? Well, the most logical and geographical opponent that makes sense would be Arkansas. And honestly, OU and Arkansas could grow into be something pretty special. Uh, considering the fact that OU fans would not have to drive that far to Fayetteville, Hog fans would not have to drive that far to Norman, it's an easy travel game, you wouldn't play Texas and, you know, as much. You'd play them every couple of years. You could probably do that at Jerry World versus the Cotton Bowl, but it certainly makes for an intriguing matchup. Now, the model that probably is a little more palatable to some fans and certainly to athletic directors and coaches is going to be the 3-6 model, which by the way, I don't get why you would play eight games under one model, nine games, nine conference games under the next. But the 3-6 and six would mean you'd have three permanent opponents while well, every two years, rotating six opponents. And for OU, it's very easy to figure out how that's going to happen and how TV and the SEC would want it to happen. They would want Oklahoma, Texas, and A&M to all be each other's guar- guaranteed games. One, because they love the OU-A&M game, or they love the OU-Texas game. They love having Texas, Texas A&M. They love Texas-Arkansas. Arkansas-A&M is a rivalry. It works perfectly. Now, if for some reason you'd go 1-7 and, and OU and Texas get matched up, you would think most likely it would be A&M and LSU would be permanent, Arkansas-Missouri would be permanent, so forth and so on. But I, I, I love talking about this kind of stuff because it's very intriguing to see, one, who pulls the strings and who makes that ultimate decision, and two, we know a lot about who values who in this situation, and what rivalries mean more to certain fan bases. And I've often wondered, and look, I've had Texas fans tell me both both sides of it, that they value playing OU more. Um, some get more excited about playing A&M just because they simply hate the Aggies more. But you still have a situation with the Texas, Texas A&M crowd where Texas looks at A&M as a little brother, and they probably see OU as more equal. And OU obviously has proven they don't mind being in business with Texas, which is why both of them are leaving and going to the Southeastern Conference together. Now, what does this mean for the Big 12? Well, you could take either one of these models and apply it to the new Big 12. And I was thinking 1-7, in seven, maybe 1-8 in eight for the new Big 12 if you wanted to play nine conference games. What makes the most sense for Oklahoma State? And that's easy. What makes the most sense for Oklahoma State is that you would play Texas Tech every year. And you would think Tech would want to tie into Oklahoma State every year because nine out of ten times, that's going to be a good game. Even if OSU has the better team, it feels like it feels like Tech always gives them a scare. Plus, you got to think that Baylor would want to play TCU every year. Kansas would want to play Kansas State. Who cares who Central Florida and Cincinnati want to play? Um, Brigham Young, I was thinking Brigham Young probably ties into Iowa State every year. That makes, again, sense geographically. But there's a lot to iron out here over these next few weeks, not only with the scheduling and what we're seeing in college football with the ACC and the Mountain West and the Pac-12 starting to do away with divisions, but how do Bob Bowlesby and his crew start to proceed with with what they are doing? The other big news this week. And this is something to keep an eye on because this affects everybody in college football. And that is whether or not the SEC can pull off a deal where they hold their own playoff separate from the college football playoff. Now, you gasp, you shake your head, fine. The whole reason the SEC is doing this, and we know exactly why they're doing this, is because they're trying to force the rest of college football into a 12-team playoff which is what we all want. That is the best thing for college football. But ever since, go back to OU, Texas, and the Southeastern Conference all being in cahoots this past summer, that slammed the brakes on things. Well, now Greg Sankey realizes that in order to get the ball rolling, somebody's got to step up and be the bad guy, and the SEC has never had any qualms about doing this whatsoever. As somebody who loves a train wreck, I would love nothing more than to see the SEC pull this off and have their own playoff for a couple of years and make just as much money as you would normally make with a regular college football playoff. And don't think they can't do it, okay? Even as we want to be the Big 12 thinking, oh, these arrogant SOBs down down in the Southeast, what are they doing? The fact of the matter is perception is reality. Okay, remember that. Always remember that phrase. Perception is reality. And you can add to that in the eye of the beholder. Well, in the eye of the beholder, the average college football fan or the NFL fan who just occasionally peeks in on college football, the perception is is that the SEC is the best most powerful conference in America and they crank out the most NFL talent. So if I get a championship game with Georgia and Alabama, as we did already in the national championship game. or Let's be a little bit brighter. Say Oklahoma versus LSU. Okay, and these guys are fighting for one and two in the conference. And then I've got another championship game, and it's USC-Michigan. All right, sounds like a pretty good matchup. Which one am I watching if they're playing at the same time? Well, if I'm just the NFL fan, I'm probably going to watch that SEC game just because I think more pro prospects are coming out of there. So they wield a lot of power in this. And as an OU fan, yeah, you want it to expand to 12 because you know you're not going to be as dominant in the SEC as you were the Big 12. So definitely you want it. If you're an Oklahoma State fan, you want it to expand to 12 because that gives you a little bit more margin for error as well. And it it should, by all means, because the Big 12 will stay a Power 5 conference, conference should guarantee you a seat at the table if you win the Big 12. And I would think that Oklahoma State under the new Big 12 is going to have ample opportunity to win it every single year. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'll I'll just I'll die on this hill because I work with with Pat Jones and he's convinced me of this. Nobody in the new Big 12 will be dominant. You may have a three, four year run, but you're not going to see what OU did in this current configuration what you're going to see is people have maybe 3 4 year runs but you're going to look at a lot of teams who are even which isn't a bad thing cuz it gives you more competition every week it makes every game more meaningful and you know if you're going to go to the playoffs and it's a tight conference race you're going to be more intrigued in game more intrigued to watch certain games it's probably the 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 better way to put it But this, I mean, just as someone who loves watching a train wreck and loves watching people try to figure things out, yeah, I would love to see the SEC pull off and break away from college football. I'm not not lying because I just want to see what the reaction is. And I'm wondering right now if Greg Sankey, look, and here's the thing with Greg Sankey, you better put your money where your mouth is on this. You can't simply just threaten that you're going to do a playoff all on your own, you have to vote and put it into action. And if you do that, then maybe the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, everybody who's been a little skittish about giving you the 12-team playoff says, okay, fine, we'll do it, you win. You, you've, you've forced our hand. He's realized somebody's got to step up and take control of this thing, and he's willing to do it. Speaking of the current state of college sports, Joe Castiglione had some very stark comments to make at the latest Sooner Caravan. We'll get to those next. You're listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition. Hey, guys, it's Pete Mundo, the owner of heartlandcollegesports.com. Be sure to check out uh, my podcast, where, of course, we cover the entire Big 12 top to bottom. Just search Heartland College Sports. And don't forget, you get a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you leave a rating and a review on any of our shows and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. It's our way of saying thank you uh, for listening. And we've got many more podcasts coming your way as well. We've got our Bedlam Edition. We have My Big 12 Podcast. We also have uh, KU Podcast that's been launched and much more that we're announcing in the coming days and weeks. So we appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the rest of the show with Eric G. With all due respect to Joe Castiglione, whom I have an immense amount of respect for, maybe more respect than anyone I've ever met in this business, I have to disagree with him on his outlook for college football and college sports in general. At the latest Sooner Caravan, which happened in the great state of Kansas in the city of Wichita, shout out to Ryan Ray, who's holding down fort there for all you OU fans, a roughneck brother of mine. Uh, he says, quote, I don't think the future of college athletics is very bright. It's not going to be pretty for a while. It is a very bumpy period of time. Well, okay, that's one way to look at it. And if you want to be a glasses half empty kind of guy, feel free to do so. And, and a lot of the old school guard or the old guard is doing this, whether it's Joe Castiglione, the guy I work with, Pat Jones, uh, Nick Saban who had some very pointed comments at um, Jimbo Fisher earlier this week, Jimbo Fisher himself, you know, whoever, Lincoln Riley, whoever. All right, that's one way to look at it. The way I'm choosing to look at it is this is a time to shape the future of college sports and college football in particular when it comes to the NIL and it comes to the transfer portal. All right, let's discuss the NIL first. None of us. Who were in favor of the n i l who were really truly in favor of it realized it was going to get to this point all right those that were against it probably did, and I will give Pat Jones credit for this because he had a really good idea that it was going to get out of hand as it as it has with recruiting and stealing kids from from other schools, but for those of us who were who thought it was long overdue that these kids deserve to get a little piece of the pie. I don't think we ever dreamed that it was going to be used to poach kids from one program to another. Now, we thought it would probably be used in recruiting as far as going to high school kids and say, hey, you can go to Arkansas if you want, but if you come to OSU or you come to Oklahoma, we're going to give you a much better NIL deal or we can present you with opportunities in the NIL that give you the chance to make way more money than you are, over here at Arkansas. That's what we thought. We also thought jersey sales, poster sales, kids being able to go on social media and pick up free meal. That's kind of where it would where we would see the bulk of it. And we have. But now that the transfer portal has gotten involved with this and you've got coaches, collectives whoever going going after players who were at other programs, now we got now we got some issues, but this is where Joe Castiglione, and and Joe, I trust you. I'm, I'm calling on you, Joe. I put it to you, as they said in Animal House. I put it to you, Joe. Um, where you could step up and really take control of college athletics if you wanted to, because as one of the most respected men in college athletics, people will listen to you. And if Joe Castiglione were to say, all right, I'm willing to be the czar of college football, Let's get the Power Five to break away from the NCAA. Let's start making our own rules. Let's get the NIL under control. We can either put a cap on it. Um, we can make rules about how you're supposed to use it, how you're not supposed to use it. Penalize people for breaking those rules. We can reinstitute the, the one-year sit-out clause in the transfer board. We can do all that. If Joe Castiglione stepped up and said he's ready to take over college football, he could alleviate some of these problems. And I get the feeling that that Joe, that that's just not the position that Joe wants to be in. And I can't blame him. I mean, it's a hell of a lot of responsibility to be the guy that is redirecting college football. Greg Sankey, however, may be that guy from the SEC. I mean, this idea, going back to what we talked about in, in the first segment, the idea of threatening to hold your own playoff and give the middle finger to the rest of college football, man, that's baller. That's big time baller. And Greg Sankey is a guy who I think everybody looks to as the most powerful man in college football. He may be the one that ultimately does it. But if there are things that you don't like, there are opportunities to change them. And truth be told, um, whether it was the Supreme Court, and really I think we we blame the Supreme Court on this, who had a hand in in setting up the NIL, If they would have at least given a two-year moratorium or a two-year window for the NCAA and institutions to figure figure this out, we'd be in a lot better shape than what we are right now. But without that two-year window, it was ready, fire, aim. And now all of a sudden, you've got people scrambling around trying to figure out how to get this back under control. And they're never going to completely get it under control. They're just going to have to work with it. But the right person can at least make sense of things. And I think Joe Castiglione could do that. I would love to see him be a czar of college football. And honestly, if you're an OU fan, go, no, 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 I don't want him to leave OU. I mean, the, the program is in such great shape right now, where the athletic department is in such great shape. Don't worry. You know, you've got, guy, you've got people waiting in the wings that have been working under him that, you know, should be just fine. If if they take over, okay, so I it was not going to be dire straits for OU on that at all, but it's just a matter of, of getting it done. Speaking of OU, um, in several betting sites, <laughs> you will find that they are the favorite uh, to win the Big Twelve. As a matter of fact, um, looking at I want to go to want to get the right side betonline.ag Has OU right now is plus 190, which means if you bet $100, you win 90 on OU. Followed by Texas, Oklahoma State, Baylor, TCU uh, winning the Big 12. I can't pick OU to win the Big 12. Right now, I'm picking Oklahoma State, Baylor. Would have picked Baylor number one if Jerry Bohannon was still there? Because I don't know how good this new kid's going to be now. Granted, he beat out Bohannon. So you would think that he's better than him, but how much better? I don't know. I haven't seen him. I know what Spencer Sanders brings to the table. And I know that despite their offensive line problems, and despite the fact that that OSU doesn't have a star running back right now, they've got a lot of playmakers at receiver, and most importantly, they return the best defensive player in the conference, and that is Colin Oliver. And I know that the defense itself will be stout, really stout, so that's why I'm picking OSU to win the conference right now. As with anything, that is always subject to change. And it's not a knock on OU. It's just that OU has so much uncertainty right now that I feel like if I pick them to win, I'm simply going on based on reputation. Dylan Gabriel, I think he's going to be good. But I, if I were to tell you 100% for certain, I'd be lying to you. Um, Gavin Sawchuk, who's coming in and supposedly going to be a, a stud running back, even if I watch his film. I just know supposedly he's going to be a stud running back. I have no idea how he's going to adjust to college. And any podcast that is connected to the University of Oklahoma or has people on it connected to the University of Oklahoma, of course they're going to pump you up. Because they want you to believe that. Because they want you to keep coming back. And the more positive information they give, the more you're you're going to be there. I'm just trying to be honest with you on this. Um, the defense, I do expect to improve under Brent Venables. How much? I don't know. I don't know how much of it was the players, how much of it was Alex Grinch. I don't know how much of OU struggles last year had to do with a distracted Lincoln Riley, a lot, uh, or just the fact that maybe they just weren't as good as we thought they were going to be. So to pick them to win the Big 12, I can't go there right now. However, in the over-under that has OU at eight and a half wins, I'm going to go over that. I think they win at least nine um, nine and three with a possible loss. Oh, K State scares the hell out of me. They always will as long as Kleiman's there. Um, he's 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 been really he's done really well against OU. But I think it just at this point to pick him to win the, win the Big Twelve it feels like a stretch. I just trust OSU more at this point than I do OU. But as with all things, once the season starts, once we're underway. I, I hope you will allow me to change that opinion if it deems if it needs to be changed. Um, so that's where we are at, at this point with that. I think OU goes over eight and a half. I'm not picking them to win the Big Twelve, but then again, like everybody else, I'll tell you they're OU. So yeah, I mean, how do you completely count them out? Let's face it, you can't. That wraps up today's show. I want to thank you so much for listening. Um, thanks again to all of you for. Uh, letting us put this out late. And uh, we certainly do uh, appreciate uh, your patronage. Please remember, subscribe, rate, and review. Let us know what we can do better. And also, um, hey, thank you again for your support. All right, can't reiterate that enough. So with that in mind, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And we really need that right now. And to quote the great Diamond David Lee Ralph, Stay frosty.